You're listening to the John Clark Cast. I'm your host, John Clark, licensed counselor, group practice owner, and a guide for therapists trying to build a better business without all the overwhelm. And in this episode, my friends, we are sitting down with uh, Diane Brennan. She's a licensed therapist in New York City, uh, private practice owner, and we're talking about basically how she found success in private practice. I'm going to be doing a whole bunch of these, um, basically showcasing uh, a number of the therapists that I've worked with um, as their business coach um, and, and basically just showing you all how they got to where they are, um, how they have found success so that you can find that success too. So without further ado, let's dive in. Building a private practice can be tough, but I believe that it doesn't have to be. And so uh, I'd like to help you make things a whole lot easier. Um, If you're interested in working with me, head to thejohnclark.com and uh, apply for a free strategy session. That's thejohnclark.com to apply for a free strategy session. Um, In the meantime, do me a big favor, rate, review, and subscribe to this show wherever you are listening. That really helps us get the word out and continue to grow the show. And um, otherwise, tell a friend. Uh, about the show as well. Share your favorite episode and um, thank you in advance for helping us uh, move things forward. On the show with me today is Diane Brennan. Diane is a licensed mental health counselor specializing in grief and loss. Her work focuses on facilitating personal growth through compassionate care, emotional support, and education. She began counseling after spending 20 plus years in organizational development and training, successfully leading large-scale organizational change and coaching individuals to higher levels of performance. Uh, Dan is now um, uh, in private practice in New York City, and she recently launched a new initiative called the 2020 Grief Project. This is a project of shared human connectedness, delving into the unspoken language of loss through storytelling. I I did a little editing of your bio. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a little on the fly um, uh, I, I, I'm fine with that <laughs> um, Welcome to the show Thank you I'm glad to be here Yeah um, uh, Well I, I wanted to have you on in part Because um, I think you Since I've known you You've I mean you've done so much To grow your practice In the right ways and now starting, um, you know, a project outside of your practice, but related to your practice has been really neat to watch. And I just thought folks could, could probably glean a lot from your, um, your story and your process of, of, of getting here. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, what's, what's missing from your interest so far? What else uh, should people know about you right off the bat? Uh, well, let's see. I think, uh, what people should know about me is that, you know, private practice and counseling is a second career, um, for me. So that, um, that's something that, you know, evolved over time and through my own life experience, it led me down this path. So I, I didn't, you know, just go to school and, 
say, this is what I want to do, you know, counseling people and serving people in this way. Uh, I came to that about, ooh, let's see, it was probably almost 20 years in the workforce uh, when I made the decision to say, I want to make a change and I want to do something different. And I believe I have a whole entire second career mm-hmm. um, as a possibility. And so I set forth on this kind of path of exploration and looked back at my life uh, in terms of some kind of meaningful events that happened and used them as a way to kind of create and carve out this whole new path for myself. So um, I think that's what the bio doesn't say. Um, It alludes to it, (laughs) certainly, Mm -hmm. um, by saying I've had like a 20-year-plus career um, doing something totally different uh, from counseling. Mm -hmm. Um, So I can uh, certainly share more about that if you'd like or around what led me there. What was it like going back to school? Uh, so going back to school is an interesting, um, interesting choice. So at the time I was uh, 40 years old and I hadn't been, you know, in a formal, you know, uh, classroom setting for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I also was uh, leading a pretty large organization. I traveled uh, for work about... 60% 60% of the time. Wow. So I had to figure out, you know, how to um, incorporate this into my life. And I found a program that happened to um, be a master's in mental health counseling. And mental health counseling as a degree and as a profession was also, you know, somewhat newer and newly emerging. So I uh, found a program where there was a course that they were offering. It was like intro to counseling theory on Saturday mornings. And I thought I can commit to that. (laughs) I can get started because that's where I have time. And I basically approached it by saying, I'll do one class at a time. If my interest continues to deepen, if I continue to uh, really, um, you know, enjoy this, I'll continue. And the path just began to open up. So I found myself at 40 years old in a classroom with other uh, students who were, you know, maybe half my age (laughs) or a little bit more, (laughs) certainly. Um, I came to it with so much life experience and so much work experience that um, it was definitely, I didn't find it to be an impediment. I actually found it um, to be so helpful to me. And I found that I could share that with other people. Um, other students, you know, other um, peers, you know, at that point, and it could be meaningful to all of us. So it was, uh, it was definitely a, you know, a, a path that I decided to walk down and see where it would take me. And I do think uh, that ha- uh, it really was very rewarding. Um, quite honestly, I um, I didn't disclose at work that I was going to school. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took me four years to complete my coursework um, part time, and I did not reveal that I was going to school. Um, it's a long time and- to keep a secret. <laughs> I yeah I it was a- <laughs> keep studying on the evenings and weekends despite. <laughs> 
the demands uh, you know, of a full-time job. Here's what I'll tell you. It's so interesting. Um, and I was thinking about this um, in terms of some of my next steps that mm-hmm. I was I was looking back and saying, where have I felt this before? This um, I'm on. I'm on a new path, although it doesn't feel certain. I need to start taking some steps. And when you know, I look back at that. I went to school um, for three years, didn't disclose anything, you know, only to like my closest friends and family. Um, so my colleagues didn't know, my boss didn't know. In that three-year period of time, I was promoted two times. I was offered two international um, assignments, and I had a very busy, um, you know, kind of life and and schedule. Although there is something about when you follow your passion and you go down a path that um, you become even more productive in all areas of your life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me, it was this really great sense of accomplishment that I was doing something I was passionate about. The passion was building towards counseling. I was still maintaining um, the work and and the uh, quality of the work and and the value of the work in my current role. And I felt so good about all of it and how it was unfolding that when it came time to disclose that I'd been going to school and, oh, by the way, to my boss, now I need to um, fit in an internship Mm -hmm. um, 20 hours or so a week. (laughs) Um, How could I possibly do that? Um, You know, what I was met with was incredible support and, um, really, uh, just someone who was saying, yeah, go do, go do that. You can still do both and we'll find a way um, to make that happen for you. It was a beautiful gift and I was able to really, uh, transition, um, mm-hmm. career wise, um, quite smoothly. So you, you clearly earned that gift because you were bringing so much value to, you know, in your, in your previous career that they were willing to say, yeah, we'll we'll work with you here because we want to keep, um, keep having you. Yeah, it was honestly, it was a, um, it was a huge honor. Mm -hmm. It was a great validation for me and it allowed me, which I, I didn't realize at the time. And I don't, I don't know that the um, the other people involved knew it, but it gave me a wonderful way to close that chapter mm-hmm. and move into the next chapter and do it in a way that I feel I can look back and feel and look at it as success, look at it as accomplishment, and um, look at it knowing that um, I never dropped the ball. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, look, for me in my work, uh, specializing in grief and loss, endings have always been just as important to me as beginnings. And that idea of being able to close out that chapter of my life and start a new one in a way that was uh, very seamless and very supportive mm-hmm. was a wonderful gift. And yes, I agree with you. I feel like I earned it. Although um, you just never know. Yeah. <laughs> Is that how I would say that. So d- um, did you go straight into private practice once you got your degree? I did not go straight into private practice. I needed to uh, have, in, in order to become licensed in New York State, you need over, 
you need to be, you have supervised um, hours. So I went, I, I had been uh, with hospice and working with hospice as part of my internship. And then also uh, they hired me full time. So I actually worked with hospice for a few years before going into private practice. So mm-hmm. I do want to say that hospice was, um, my involvement with hospice was a huge part of my transition. And that uh, when I decided to go down the path of becoming a counselor, I did that because at the time uh, when I said, oh, I think I have a second career in me, uh, the only way that I knew how to figure out what that second career was, was to begin to volunteer and do volunteer work. So at the time when I uh, prior, actually, about a year prior to going back to school for my master's, I started volunteering with hospice. Mm-hmm. And I chose volunteering with hospice as a way to connect to my past. So when I was in my mid-20s, I had experienced a five-year uh, period of loss in my life, losing significant um, and close family members and friends. And so Um, Now, at 40 years old, looking back, I thought, oh, could I do this? Could I work with people and connect with people around loss and grief, um, knowing that it was a significant part of my own past? And I started volunteering with hospice, and I found that I could. And I remember the first person I, you know, met as a volunteer and supported um, and how that just transformed how I felt about being able to give back to people. So I began volunteering with hospice at the time that I went to school and I continued volunteering with hospice while (laughs) I was working, (laughs) going to school. I also volunteered with hospice. And when it came time to do an internship, uh, they made the accommodation because of the time I put in as a volunteer. So I had my internship, and then through the internship, I was, again, I just feel, you know, we could say fortunate earned a little bit of both in that at the time I was um, graduating um, and had my degree, someone was leaving, another counselor was leaving hospice, Mm -hmm. and they offered me that position full-time. So I was able to work with hospice um, as a full-time counselor uh, for a couple of years, uh, three years, um, before I went into private practice. And so that facilitated getting licensed, and quite honestly, it helped me build skills Mm -hmm. as a counselor. So, um, so. Hospice was a big part of of my journey um, for probably about eight years in all in total. So, um, if we f- fast forward a bit to where you are now, which is really um, having a, a, a thriving solo practice in New York City, um, and I'm going to go to my questions here <laughs> in full transparency. This is the first time I've used these questions. <laughs> So one part of me is resisting them heavily and wanting to just do what I usually do and chat and, and see where it goes. The other part of me is like, I know people like questions, so I'm going to ask the questions. Okay, ask away. I'm doing it for the people. Um, well, one question is really what are a few things that have had the greatest impact on your business? 
Let's just um, let's just put it at that. Um, given that now you share with us a bit about how you started out, how your um, your early experiences in hospice were really set the stage for what would come next. Um, so, yeah, maybe um, yeah, maybe fill us in on what's been most impactful to get from there, which is, I think, similar to many therapist stories. They start working in a, you know, for a group or a agency or whatever with the dream of private practice. So, um, yeah. How'd you get sure. here? Uh, how'd I get here? So it's been a, it's been an interesting journey when I made the decision to, uh, leave hospice. I, um, I, uh, in, at the time, I was doing some consulting work around, you know, organizational development mm-hmm. and uh, training, uh, along with, you know, working with hospice. So, I had the opportunity to pick up a little more consulting work, leave hospice, and then slowly begin my journey with private practice. So, when I left hospice at the end of 2014, um, I took some time. I was doing consulting work. So that was keeping me going. And I took some time to just really think about what I wanted to do and how I wanted it to unfold. So I, I didn't launch uh, my private practice until May of 2015. And at that time, I launched with um, a self-made website using uh-huh. Wix. Um, oh, I which... don't think I ever saw that one. <laughs> yeah, probably a good I'm thing. <laughs> <laughs> that um, it was... Um, it was an interesting uh, piece of, uh, for me, of, okay, I have to figure this out if I want to go into private practice. You know, I saw it as such a solo adventure. And mm-hmm. I saw it as such a part-time adventure. At the time, I was going to be seeing people one day a week. I got this website up and running. Um, and I felt super accomplished about that. I mean, I built a website. I, I didn't think I could ever do that. Um, and I, I will tell you in 2015, I saw a handful of people and, you know, felt good that I was trying things out and figuring out how to be on my own. And you had asked like, what, what were some things that had the greatest impact? So in 2016, uh, going into that year, I thought, okay, I've got a website, I'm doing networking. I have a few clients, but if I really want to make this work, I I have to learn Mm -hmm. about (laughs) how to do this. And so I joined a group coaching, um, you know, a a group coaching experience, I guess is, is how I'll say that. And, um, I just started to get introduced to all these different ideas about how to build a practice, how to, um, market myself, how to, you know, talk to people about what I do, how to get support from others. So, um, through that group coaching experience, I had been um, paired up with a couple of other kind of peers or, or people who were in the same place I was building their practice. So um, to this day, I still connect with them on a regular basis, whether it's every couple of weeks um, and one of them is building, one person's building their practice in Maryland, the other one's building it in Idaho. We just all happen to be at the same place. And 
it was this, it's, it's a great collaboration of just having people to talk to, like, here's what's working for me, what's working for you. And I felt like that had a great impact, which is, you know, really starting to find people that I could relate to, mm -hmm. who were in the same boat that we could commiserate about what wasn't working, but also congratulate each other on what was working and learn from each other. So although the, the person leading the group coaching, I, I think, did some really great things. Um, the, what I got out of it, um, the most important thing I got out of it was, um, meeting people who I could relate to. Um, through that, I also then, you know, was able to say, okay, so now in 2017, I really need some focused coaching. I need, you know, this needs to get more personal. I need to figure out and unlock the things that are important for me. And so that's when I found someone that I could work with one-on-one. -on -one. And through the one-on-one, -on -one, it really prompted me to, you know, get rid of my Wix website <laughs> and, you know, let go of this wonderful thing that I created that I felt like I birthed on my own. And, um, but really, you know, say, look, if I want to get serious, I need to have a website that represents me, that speaks to my ideal client, that has better SEO, that's more professional. And, uh, that's when I, uh, began <laughs> the journey of kind of rewriting and then also um, hiring a professional uh, to do the website. And then uh, from there, kind of going into 2018, I realized, okay, that got me to the next level, um, but now what? And that's when I said, I really need help with marketing. I really need someone to help me understand, like, how do I advertise? How do I get, you know, a kind of a, a greater following. Mm -hmm. And that's when I kind of met you and started doing, you know, Google work, Google ads, and mm -hmm. just really starting to expand my thinking around marketing and, you know, seeing, you know, trying different things and starting to see, you know, how that would unfold. So for me, I, I think that the biggest the greatest impact or the, or the biggest thing for me was to realize that I didn't have to do it on my own. And there was um, very early in the 2015, 2016, when I first started, I felt so that I had to do it on my own. I had to figure this out. It was up to me. And when I realized that I could create and have a team of supportive people, um, and, and on my team today, I would say, like, I have... Um, for the clinical side, I have my own therapist. Mm -hmm. I have um, someone that I see for uh, supervision and consultation. And then I also um, just recently started with a, you know, a peer consultation group. Mm -hmm. Right. But then I also have, you know, I have someone who helps me, you know, with accounting and, and just figuring out, you know, that part of my business. Um, I have, you know, someone who helps me with the legal side of my business. Right. I've kind of started bringing all these resources in. And then I also have, you know, marketing and mm -hmm. website and all of that support. Um, and that's the part where I think. For me, it was finally, I feel a bit of like, yeah, I could do this because it's not all on me. I just have to get all the right resources mm -hmm. and make smart, make smart investments in my business. And you and I have talked about that before, that 
Um, for me, I know, and this comes from my 20 years of work experience prior, that you know you have to make investments in your business to grow. You just have to make smart investments and think about you know what that what that can be for you. And that's uh, that's the other part. Like, don't hesitate to make investments because um, you need to make investments in your business for them to grow. So mm -hmm. those are probably the two greatest impacts. Like don't do it alone, create your team and make, um, smart investments in your business. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, um, there's some, some really essential pieces here. You realized that what got you to where you were, wasn't going to get you to the next place. <laughs> Very true. And it seems, <laughs> it seems obvious, but for some reason we, I think we struggle to see it that way. We often don't see it that way. Or we think I just need to do this next thing and then I can really just coast or then, you know, the business will be fully built or whatever it is. And you didn't really see it that way. You saw basically getting help and consulting and all this stuff, like a normal part of the process. Whereas I see a lot of therapists, it's almost like struggling indefinitely as a normal part of the process and <laughs> spending money on one's business is, um, is really difficult for a lot of therapists. And I'm wondering, why do you think that is? Uh, you know, I do think that that part, I, I feel like I experienced a little bit of that early on where um, when I look back now, I'm surprised at myself that I thought that I was the person who should build a website. Like mm -hmm. <laughs> I laugh at it you know, today. Like I'm like, like, why did I think that that like, mm -hmm. I could build a website? Like what did, you know, did I, I didn't even have that expertise, yeah. you know, well, you I could. hate it just, it just would have <laughs> well, sucked. <laughs> exactly. I mean, sure. You know, it, 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 it got a little bit of whatever, but, um, I, uh, I think you do, if I can relate it to my own experience, I, I think for other people, when you go into private practice, you look around and you're the only person in the office, you're the only person there. And so you do feel like you have to do it on your own. Um, I think it was so important for me to be able to break through that, that place and realize, oh my gosh, no, I don't have to do it alone. And the one thing that I really missed was working on a team. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I was always part of a team. I led teams. I was a, a member of a team um, for over 20 years. And I, I was really missing that. And I realized I have to, have to create my own team. And that's going to take some time and effort. And I just don't know for other people if one, they one, they see the value of working on teams, if, it, if it's important to them, if, you know, if you've never really worked on a good, productive team, I could see where that could be, you know, almost mm. like a barrier for you. Um, well, it's interesting and, that you consider it a team, and I think you're right to consider it a team. <laughs> Most people would just say, oh, that's just outsourcing, you know, it's like that it's different, uh -oh. but I, I I think it's better to frame it the way you do, which is that I've got a bunch of people who I'm bringing in to be involved in different parts of my business because they yeah. have expertise in these, in these places. So you bolster yourself with a, a bunch of, you know, support and consider them like your team because they all are supporting different parts of your business. So I think it's a great way to think about it. And 
John, mm-hmm. from that perspective, for me, um, this has been my rule of thumb in uh, private practice, meaning that, you know, as a business owner, and, and I really look at this as, you know, that I'm, uh, yes, it's called private practice, although I own a business. Mm-hmm. And as a business owner, I need to make decisions about, you know, who I work with and, and um, how I spend my money. Mm-hmm. And so for me, first and foremost, um, I need to like the people mm-hmm. that I hire. And, and that, is a, um, that is part of my criteria for hiring people, which helps me see it as a team. Mm-hmm. So uh, for me, after 20 years of working in an organization where I didn't always get to choose who I wanted to work with, mm-hmm. now I can choose who I work with. And if I hire someone, it's because I like them and I believe they have the skills to help me take my business to the next level in partnership with me. And that is so important to me. If if I don't like the person, then I'm not going to work with them. There's plenty of other people I could work with. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter, you know, how great their results are. I have to like them. And that helps me see it as a team. Um, because I'm going to be spending time with you and mm-hmm. I want to like that time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I realize that for some people that might be not, uh, that's a unique, you know, criteria for working with someone. But for me, that's the first thing I need to, I need to like the person and I need to believe that they could, you know, do the work, mm-hmm. um, and that it will help me. So yes, it does help me to really think about that. I'm building a team and that, um, that, that team you know, is there to support me and that I have to be, you know, fully transparent, um, which is the other part that I don't know sometimes if, um, if there's also like a barrier for people of, you know, that when things don't go well and, and we feel maybe a little shame or disappointment or, you know, something, then we don't want to disclose you know, what's not working or we try to fix it ourselves. And, you know, this is something that I also um, try to be very, you know, authentic and open about, which is if this isn't working, like, I don't know why I need your help, help me figure it out. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that I've done something wrong or that I, I'm not smart or that I, you know, I screwed it up, Mm -hmm. but it just means like, I don't know. So if I don't know what I don't know. And that's the other thing Mm -hmm. that I've really, um, also learned, which is just be really transparent and say, here's the issue. How can you help me? Totally. I mean, we have to detach our sense of self-worth a little bit from the success, the highs and lows of our businesses, because, it's easy just to have it be completely attached. But the problem with that is, you know, you, f- you have a little bit of success and you're over the moon and then you have a setback and you're in a depression. And you know what I mean? It feels personal. It feels like if, cl- if I go a whole week and no new clients call, it's something about me or people don't like mm-hmm. me or maybe I'm not good at this whole thing. And I think some therapists are stuck in that cycle for a long time. Um, and, and you do have to have a a, a little bit of separation that, like you said, this is a business. I need to treat it as such. And I'm so in it. I'm so close to it that it can be actually hard for me to really see (laughs) what's going on or is it really, is this really working or not? Am I successful or not? And then to have someone 
you know, helping you figure that out and going, you know, just being, I, someone explained it to me, like, um, a coach, uh, or even like a mastermind group is like a board of advisors that don't have any stock in your business. So it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't own any part of your business, but my intentions are to help you be more profitable and happier and well-balanced and, that's it. You don't have to give up any part of your business to me <laughs> uh, for me to help you do that. Yeah. And so I, I don't see why more people don't take advantage of the help. And I think therapists, and to going back to the money thing and spending money, I think some therapists, they fear it's not going to come back to them or maybe not come back to them immediately. And sometimes yeah. they don't see the dividend gains of these things. Like that very first coach you worked with, it's like, yeah, you don't work with them now or whatever, but there's things you learn from that person that are still echoing in your business or that you might think about soon, or it might be, you know, again, something that I couldn't help with or you mm -hmm. know, isn't in my wheelhouse and that like value like that sometimes just comes in uh, this kind of cumulative effect over time to help you become the business owner you are today, which is a culmination of all these things and trainings and help and consultants and people. And, you know, it's not any one thing that made it like that helped you, you know, avo completely avoid failure and end in success. Absolutely. And I would say that I think lots of times as, you know, therapists, counselors, um, there's a lot of focus on building clinical skills and mm -hmm. investing, right? And sometimes when I talk to people, it's like, yeah, I'm going to this training, going to that training, doing this and doing that, right? And I realize that there's an investment in doing all of that. Yeah. And, you know, yes, I know, of course, everybody needs continuing education credits, and there's a little incentive around that, too. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I hear people talking about it, like, you know, they're going to a lot of stuff. Yeah. And, I really try to look at it as what am I doing clinically and what am I doing for my business and that it's in balance all the time, that I'm making totally. investments about both, right? And so it's not just clinical, but it's also in my business. And so mm -hmm. you're absolutely right. When I look at back at all the coaching that I've invested in and the people I've connected to, each one has led me to the next thing. And mm -hmm. so I look back at it in that way too and say, there's something I've gotten from each one and each one has helped me grow and learn something that then I applied that takes that said, okay, right. now I'm ready for the next thing. Right. Okay, now I'm ready for the next thing. And that it's, it's, I think about it like it has to be equal. You know, you're growing clinical skills and expertise, absolutely, but you also have to be growing your business skills mm -hmm. and expertise as well. Yeah. And, you know, it's, um, they both deserve the same amount of time and effort. And sometimes I think the business stuff doesn't get the time and effort that the clinical stuff does. 100%. So. Well, I, um, uh, I've done a killer job asking these five <laughs> questions I have because now we're out of time and I've only asked you one. With <laughs> <laughs> that being said, we've covered a lot of ground and you've kind of intuitively answered a lot of my questions. Like what did you wish you knew five years ago, et cetera. But maybe we'll just skip to our last one, which is um, what is, if you could just choose the one piece of advice that you wish every therapist knew, what, what would that be? Um, and then we could just kind of close out with how people can find out more about you. And then maybe uh, I also want to have you plug the uh, 2020 Grief Project too. 
Yeah. Thanks. Um, well, let's see. I think, yes, we've covered a lot of the questions in our uh, conversation. So um, I think uh, the one piece of advice that um, I think every therapist should hear is it, it does go back to um, thinking about, you know, who's on your team. And, and I really do think that, you know, that part of you know, for me, it's, you don't have to do it alone. Um, you don't have, um, you don't have to bear like the burden of responsibility a hundred percent, um, that you can share that and you could share the load with other people and that you, you really have to look at, you know, private practice or, or not as a solo, um, not as a solo venture, but as a, as a team venture and that it's up to you to create the team. And so I do think that for me was the single kind of greatest thing that like it, when I, once I changed my mindset um, from, you know, having to do everything on my own, then it just opened up such a different space for me. And it was from that point forward that I started to, you know, grow. And quite honestly, the group coaching thing that I started with, um, I had gone to the American Counseling Association conference and someone scanned my badge and I didn't even, I didn't even know I talked to this person or stopped by their booth. They just called me after and said, Hey, you know, I think we met or whatever. And I was open to the dialogue and then became open to the idea of like, Oh, Oh, I could have a team. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I, I, well, this is a, you know, a, this can be a smart investment. And um, once I opened up my mind that private practice doesn't have to be a solo adventure, then I think that transformed everything. So that's the one piece of advice I would say is private practice doesn't have to be a solo adventure. And it doesn't mean that you have to have a group practice. Mm-hmm. It just means you have to create um, a team of support for yourself. Awesome. Love yeah. it. And how can people f- uh, find out about you? Well, um, people can find out about me in a couple of different ways, but the, the way that I want to encourage people to check me out is through the 2020 grief project. And as part of my, you know, growth as a business owner, but also just as an individual, I launched a new initiative, um, oh, I guess what about seven months ago or so, um, called the 2020 grief project. And the 2020 grief project is, you know, separate from my private practice. Um, but it's in the spirit of grief and loss. And, um, what I've, what I've done is I've, I'm asking people to share their stories of grief and loss with me that are more than 20 years old. And so you might say, well, why 20 years? <laughs> mm-hmm. And if you think about the, um, you know, grief and loss, um, there's, there's so much research and there's so much information around um, grief when someone experiences it in the first year or two years. Um, but there's not a lot about what's it like to live with this, you know, 20, 30 years later. And so through my work with people, um, I've come to learn this and I've also, you know, really feel like we don't have, 
don't have a common language for loss. There isn't a lot of grief literacy in the world. And um, there's also, I don't know, sometimes I feel like maybe a little lost art of storytelling um, mm-hmm. out there. So I'm inviting people to come and share their stories of loss with me and, you know, use it as a way to help people who are newly grieving kind of understand what it might be like for them in the future. Mm -hmm. And so this is, um, this is in addition, uh, to, you know, everything else that I do Mm -hmm. in private practice, but it's a way to really kind of bring people together to get them connected and to kind of help create perhaps a different dialogue around grief and loss Mm -hmm. in our society. So love it. Yeah. So people can check that out through the 20, it's 2020griefproject.com. Perfect. And we'll, we'll put a link to your private practice site as well for anyone who wants to check that out. And um, I will say it's also just a really good example of a private practice site that works well <laughs> as a good message, et cetera. Um, but we'll put a link to both in there. Um, Diane, I, I can't thank you enough. And um, this has been a lot of fun. Like I said, I, I was right that therapists have a lot to learn from you. And uh, I think through this, uh, you know, through our chat here today, folks can take something and, um, and think about how they can do things in their business a little bit differently um, in, in the right direction. So thank you again for being here and uh, look forward to talking to you very soon. All right. Thanks, John. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, again, as always, do me a favor, rate, review, and subscribe to this show wherever you're listening. Um, if you've got a favorite episode, send a link to your friend and um, help us keep moving the show forward. Otherwise, um, have a great week. Take care of yourselves, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>